Well, Happy New Year's Eve. Have you been thinking about all those resolutions that you're going to make, that 2018 is going to be different, the best year ever, what you're going to stop doing? No? Because there's a lot of blank faces right now. I was just sitting there thinking, I think last year, uh, New Year's Eve fell on a, a Saturday night, if I'm right. I just want you to know, when that happens, that is like, pastors don't look forward to that. Because you know what Sunday morning on New Year's Day is like in church? Yeah, you find out who's out partying on New Year's Eve is what you find out, whatever that might mean. Um, so anyway, glad you can hold off your partying till tonight as we celebrate the new year. Hey, um, kind of got a new series on habits that's um, unfolding over the next several weeks. And uh, so I want to talk to you today a little bit about getting out of the old and into the new, because how many know uh, there's habits that are not so good? <laughs> and then there's habits that would be a good thing if we were to make them a part of our life. But sometimes we have to be able to break out of the old patterns and habits so that we can break into new habits and patterns for the new year. And so uh, a habit is a pattern that you want to stop or you want to start, but you just can't seem to get yourself to do it. Anyone ever had that experience? Like you've met, like right now, you're going, I'm trying to quit some stuff right now and it ain't happening. And uh, then there's things that you know you need to do. Yeah, I think that we all get there. Open up your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. In verse 31, it says there that Jesus said to those Jews who believed Him. So in other words, Jesus was speaking to believers. And He said uh, to, to those Jews that believed Him, if you abide in My Word, you are my, my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If you abide in My Word. Jesus saying if you abide in or hold to My teachings... If you listen to them, if you abide in them, then you'll be my disciples, you'll know the truth, and the truth will cause something to happen up on the inside of you. That truth will produce freedom, the freedom from things and the freedom to things. See, freedom gets us out of stuff, but freedom also leads us into new things that will help us in our life. And so that's why we talk about getting into the Word. That's why we have the Solid Life Journal as a tool to make that a part of our life so that we're getting God's Word. That's why we encourage you to be in, you know, on church consistently because you become in a place where you're hearing the truth and uh, you, you can abide in that truth and it will make you free. That's why when you're newer to the church and you hear uh, encouragement from one of the pastors, hey, give us a year, get involved in all that the church is doing, get involved in what's offered, and we believe that will lead you to um, experiencing uh, more of the truth, getting God's Word up on the inside of you, which leads to more freedom. Come on. And so uh, anyway, Jesus goes on, uh, or they go on to answer to him and said, hey, well, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been into bondage to anyone. How can you say you'll be made free? How many know that if you're going to question somebody, probably the best place is not to start is with Jesus because, you know, because Jesus, he kind of says something, we all like, he's right. So these were believers, but they were still learning that when Jesus said it, he was right and they were wrong. 
And they're like, how can you tell us that we're, we've never been in bondage to anyone? Well, let me ask you a question. How many of you know somebody that's in bondage to some kind of, uh, or suffering from some kind of addiction? That's a participatory question. And so, like, if I ask and, 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 and you actually know somebody who is, uh, then the response would be, yes, I know someone. Because some of you were staring at me, and so you were either still thinking about something else uh, from your holiday experience, um, or you didn't know anyone who's struggling with an addiction. Come on. Or you were thinking about your own. Okay. Um, but how many know there's lots of things we can get stuck in, you know, from uh, things like alcohol, drugs, gambling, um, pornography, to things like, uh, you know, overeating, shopping. Come on, Amazon Prime, somebody. Some of y'all are addicted to that package. What's coming next? <laughs> Some of your spouses are irritated. Another package. What could it be? I mean, no, smartphones can be something of addiction. I'm sure no one in here has any issues with that. Those games? Those, those games. What about social media? Can, is it possible? Is it possible to have an addiction to something like social media? You know, some... Some Facebook, some Snapchat. How about you? How many net, Netflixers do we have in here, you binge watchers? Anybody, huh? Yeah. You know, I was watching a show last night with my family, and it's so interesting. We had a point where we couldn't find the controller, and as you know, it rolls right into the next show. And so we're trying to find it, and it's almost like you just kind of give up. <laughs> and the show starts, and you're in for another one. The third time, I want you to know, I couldn't, you know, we, we, we broke free in Jesus' name. <laughs> I had an early morning coming. So how many of you would be willing to admit that you're dealing with an addiction in your life right now? This is participatory. <laughs> Come on. We're a life-giving church. We're not here to judge you. We're here to help you. Uh, isn't that good? Well, listen, you need to know that the first thing you need to do is to be willing to admit it. So the definition of an addiction is a strong and harmful need to regularly have something, such as a drug, or to do something, such as gamble. And so remember the word habit. Habit is a pattern that you want to start or stop, uh, but you just can't get yourself to do it. So anyway, I read that definition of addiction, and by that definition, my name is Neil Kelly, and I am an addict. I got issues. Don't we all have areas in our lives that we're struggling with, things that we wish we weren't doing and things that we wish we were, but we just can't seem to get there. Jesus um, answered those guys here in verse 34. He said, uh, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits a sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be you shall be what? Free. That's the goal. Jesus came because he saw people struggling with things they didn't want to be struggling with and not doing things that they, that they wanted to do. And so part of Jesus coming into our life is to let us know the truth. And there's something about that truth that Jesus knows if we'll get it, if we'll abide in it, if we'll make it a part of our life, it will cause us to be free. Not only free, but free. Indeed, we'll be free. That's the goal. Now, turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In 1 Corinthians, we find a letter. It's kind of a corrective letter to the believers. 
How many of you love correction? In fact, you ask your friends all the time, hey, if you've got something to say to me, just you know, bring it on. I'm, I've just been praying for some correction in my life today. I mean, how many, you're just absolutely not reactive. When someone comes to you know, tell you you're doing something wrong, you're like, thank you. I'm just praying that someone will share it, especially your spouse, right? Those, you're married in the house. It's like, I pray my spouse tells me what I'm doing wrong. Okay, or not. Um, but here, the Bible's uh, going to kind of get to come and bring a little correction. And in here, we're going to see three types of people that uh, I want to point out. The first one is the unspiritual person. The unspiritual person. This is the person that is uh, not yet born again. Their spirit has not yet come alive like Jesus um, uh, came for. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, the person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolish and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. So these are people, uh, they're unspiritual, they're without the Spirit, and, and these are people that would be critical of what we believe, they're critical of Christianity, and they always will be until they experience it because they don't have the ability to understand it or discern it because their spirit uh, they're unspiritual at this point. The second person is um, the spiritual person. This is someone who their spirit has been born again. It, it, it's, it's come alive on the inside of them. In the verse 15, it says this, the person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgment, judges, judgment, excuse me, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? but we have the mind of Christ. So the person who's filled with the Spirit is, being, is able to make judgments about things uh, because we see into things, because things have been revealed to us. And uh, even though we don't know everything, because who's known the mind of the Lord is so as to instruct Him? But we do have access to the mind of Christ now that our spirit has come alive on the inside of us. And so the best way to change your life is to change your life spiritually. Change your life spiritually. In fact, it's a great resolution for the new year is that you're going to take your spiritual life to a different level. This is the best time of the year to give your life to Jesus. This is the opportunity where we can have a blank page and we can write a new story. It's a new beginning, right? And even if you found in 2017 or in this recent past, you've drifted away from serving Him. Other priorities have seemed to be driving uh, things in your life. There's no better time to recommit your life than now as we head in to this new year and developing the spiritual person that's inside of you. And so we have the unspiritual person, we have the spiritual person, and then we have the worldly person. And uh, in the King James and New King James, it uses the term carnal, carnal. Um, in uh, the next verse, which goes into the next chapter of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, brothers and sisters, these are believers, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, still worldly. In other words, you shouldn't still be worldly, but you still are. And so I can't really even talk to you as people who are living a life by the Spirit, and then he lets them know, in fact, you're like mere babies, you bunch of babies. He goes, you're mere infants 
in, in Christ. And so this is what you got some Christians that got some flesh going on, some Christian concarne, uh, too much worldliness. In other words, spiritually speaking, your problem is not your willpower. Your problem is your worldliness that has crept into your life. In other words, your spirit man is not strong enough to get the job done because there's other parts of you that are in control. But you want to know what your hope is? Your hope is, is that your spirit man can get the job done if you allow and cultivate that area of your life so your spirit man can dominate and lead your life. And, and if you apply these things that uh, I'm teaching and will be taught over the next few weeks, I believe that everything can change and truly this year can be the best year of your life in serving the Lord. And so the scripture talks about because of your worldliness, because you're still too wor- worldly, verse 2, I gave you milk, not solid food for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? I like this because sometimes when we think about sin, we think about people are drinking and smoking and gambling, you know, things that we would outwardly, but here he dresses right away. Uh, Since there's jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? That great parents, that's a great verse for teenagers. You're fighting again, you worldly ones. You're like little babies, you're infants. Um, how many know it's not just our kids? All right. So in other words, he's, it's, what he's saying is you're, you're, you're drawing from your own strength. You're limiting yourself to your own strength. And what you need to live the life that God's called you to and the life you really want is you need the power of God activated upon the inside of your life. In uh, Galatians chapter 5, and this is from the New Living Translation, it says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. So how many know there's this sinful nature in here, and uh, it wants to do bad? It, it wants to. But here, and it's the opposite of what the spirit person wants in you, and that is um, to do the things that are right. It says, and the spirit, listen to this, and the spirit gives us desires. The spirit gives us, well, how many know we talk about, we know that when we live carnally that we get these desires that are not good, Right? But you need to know that God wants and will, and the Bible is clear that you will have desires that are good. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, gives us desires, desires that are opposite of the sinful, what the sinful nature desires. The reason why many believers haven't experienced these desires is because there's too much of the world still in us that we haven't even got to the point where the Holy Spirit can plant those desires. In other words, the desires for the wrong things is so dominating, we can't even respond to the promptings that the Spirit would have uh, in our life. And so it says, these two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free, so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So I don't know about you, but I experienced this war up on the inside of me, you know, every once in a while. About every day, about every day, 
There's a battle that goes on that we're in the midst of, whether you are aware of it or acknowledge it or not. And see, these forces constantly fighting each other, it can cause us to not be free. But Jesus came, and this is what he wanted, is that we wouldn't be controlled by this so that we could be free and be free indeed. And so you have this war going on the inside of you, and there's three parts. You may be familiar with this. Our body, our soul, and our spirit, our body. How many know we got one? How many know you've probably been abusing it the last few weeks? <laughs> we got a body, and as we get older, we're thanking God we're going to get a new one in Jesus' name. We have a soul. It's our mind. It's our will you know, and our emotions. And then we have our spirit. And our spirit is what, when we receive Jesus, what uh, is awakened in us. But here's the deal about the three. They all want to be in charge. All three want to be in charge. So which one's going to be in charge? The strongest one, right? The strongest one dominates. The new question is, which one is the strongest one? Which one is stronger than the other two? Well, the answer is the one you feed the most, right? The one that you feed the most. So doesn't it make sense that if there's a lot of worldliness and only a little bit of God, that we could stay stuck in patterns that, and habits that we don't want, then we can get stuck in some of the ruts in life that we wish weren't a part of our life? Doesn't it make sense if that's the case? What would happen if we were able to crush the flesh and stomp out some of the worldliness that we struggle with? What would happen if that spirit man on the inside of you came alive and became the dominant force in your life? I'm telling you, everything would change. Everything would change. And as a pastor and among the pastors here at the Rock, that's what we want for you. We want you on a spiritual journey that leads you to more of God, more of what He has, more freedom, freedom from the habits you don't want and experiencing more of the things that you really do want in your life. But you'll only be able to experience real victory is when that spirit side of you comes alive and dominates in your, your life. And when you do, come on, we're going to be free. Free, 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 free. And I just want you to know, free is better. Free is better. Now, Jesus identified both the problem and the solution to this situation in Matthew chapter 17. And um, here you have uh, the disciples. They were invited over to deal with a problem, a boy that was um, sick, and, and uh, they, they, they couldn't seem to deal with the problem. And Jesus came and intervened. Let's, let's read this. Verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire getting burned, and often into the water. Those are two bad things for people to fall into um, if you're unconscious. So I brought him, his son, to your disciples, but they could not cure him. And this was kind of strange because how many know the disciples are going out and they were healing people and casting out demons, and all of a sudden they run into this situation, and uh, they're puzzled because nothing is happening. Father is disappointed. And uh, Jesus responded to verse 17, and he said, O faithless and perverse generation. This is his word of encouragement to his disciples. 
Um, oh, faithless and perverse generation, or the NIV says unbelieving. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. So he's like, I'm going to take care of this. In verse 18, Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. I don't know about you, but I've read that several times and that's got me a little perplexed as to here are these disciples, and I'm telling you, if the disciples are faithless and uh, they're perverse, um, I don't know what that places me in the category, but when I read that, it made me feel like I might be in a worse shape than they are. So Jesus mentions two problems. You're taking notes. You might want to jot these down. He talked about the unfaithful or the unbelieving. The unbelieving are those that are not connected, they're not connected to God unbelieving, not connected to God like you should. Your faith level is too low. Your belief level is not high enough. You're not connected to God enough. In other words, when we spend time in prayer, reading God's Word, your faith can go up, and it's in that's when we grow. Why? Because you're connected more to God, and it makes you more of a believer. In other words, not a better believer. It just makes your believing better because your faith is high. Does that make sense? And so uh, our unbelief distances us from God, and when we lean in doing the right things, it causes our believing to go up. And by the way, one of the best resolutions that you can make is to read your Bible. And more than read it, but build your life on it. Love the Word. Learn the Word of God. Live it out. And that's why we provide this tool. It's just a, a way. It's not the only way. It's just a tool to help people. Because sometimes, I remember when I was a new Christian, someone, you know, I got a Bible. I mean, it was kind of intimidating. Like, where do you start? I mean, that's a lot of book. <laughs> and then if you don't even understand all the books and how they fall together. And so, uh, and, then, and then for the most mature believer, this just gives us a path where we can get through the Bible and the Bible can get through to us. And, uh, and, and this is where we can even learn to... to uh, hear God speak to us through the Bible. So uh, this isn't some kind of a regulation type tool like you're a godly Christian if you're using your Saw Life journal, but you certainly aren't if you're not. No, this is a life-giving tool to just help you uh, get through uh, the Bible. And, and, and this is what helps us to not be an unbelieving believer. Doesn't that even sound weird? I mean, how many want to sign up? That's me. I'm an unbelieving believer. We want to become a more believing believer. I believe that's what Jesus pointed out. So big problem, unbelieving. The other one is perverse. He called them an unbelief and a perverse generation. Isn't that great? Yeah, he's like, yeah, a bunch of perverts. Because, you know, in our you know, context, that's like, ooh. I'm not going to that small group, right? You know. But he's talking to the disciples here. And when, he, when I believe when he's talking about perversity, he's talking about being too connected to the world. And so there's a problem of being too not connected and too connected. Not connected enough to God, but too connected to the world. And this combination is going to greatly limit the victories you can have in your life. I mean, you may have some victories, but you won't have all the victories that God wants for you, too many limitations and struggles. And so this is a, a two-folded problem. So listen to this in verse 19. 
Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and were thinking, you really just embarrassed us and uh, we're not quite sure what happened, but they didn't say it because they've been around Jesus enough to know they shouldn't do that. So they just whined. So why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So he's talking to believers, and he's telling them, your problem is unbelief. You're not connected as much as you need to be. But if you will, simple faith, believing what the Bible, what God was saying, nothing will be impossible for you. He's talking to the disciples and letting them know who just failed. If you'll just believe, nothing will be impossible for you. So let me encourage you today, wherever you are in your life, you're not too far gone. You're not too far away. Please don't give up. Lean in and draw closer to God. Do life God's way and nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing. Verse 21, it goes on to say, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, for many of you, this is a passage in your Bible that you've crossed out, that you bump over, skip over, or you read it fast every time. This kind does not go out by prayer and fasting. Why? Prayer and fasting. Why? Because prayer connects us to God. If we increase our prayer life, we increase our connection, our faith will rise, and the spirit man can lead stronger. But prayer is supposed to be a pleasure. I don't know what happened, but many times in the body of Christ, people kind of, they know they're supposed to pray, but somehow prayer does not create this positive, fuzzy, warm feeling, like when you're going to go spend time with a friend that you care and love and enjoy. Somehow prayer gets this picture of this religious um, heft thing. But that's, how many of you are married? How many of you spouses would like your, your husband or your other thing to say, well, I guess I have to go spend time with my wife. I have to. I mean, oh, boy, wouldn't that be warm and fuzzy, right? You know, so we treat God that way like, oh, I have to go pray. How boring. Well, I'm just telling you, if it's boring, someone led you astray. Because prayer is supposed to be a life-giving thing that we, in the Spirit, will create a desire for it if we'll, if we'll feed the Spirit. And so, by the way, as we're heading into this new year with prayer and, and we're talking about prayer and fasting, we're going to assist you. We're going to provide some resources that will help you along online on email, Facebook, some prayer guides and so on. But prayer connects us to God. But here's this one, you know, the fasting thing. What fasting does is it disconnects us from the world. So when we think of fasting, many people have this thought of suffering. <laughs> fasting is about suffering. That's how spiritual people prove their love to God. Because God's in heaven just longing for you to suffer. <laughs> suffer, my children, right? Agony is what I've hoped for you. That's Satan, man, trying to trick us into believe God wants us to suffer. Let me tell you something. God doesn't want you to suffer. God wants you to be free. He wants us to be free, and fasting is this thing that we see, and it's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. And what fasting does is it allows us to disconnect 
from the world. And it's for a season. How many know you're glad because you can't fast all the time because you die? <laughs> Come on. Jesus isn't asking us to do that. He, only, he went only 40 days. But it's a short season where you pray more and you cut some of the world out of your life. I'm telling you, this can be a game changer for some of you. Just 21 days, you could experience freedom that you've hoped for. You could get rid of some of the unbelief. You could get rid of some of the perversity that's got too much of the world in you. And you could feed the spirit man in you that, that could come alive and really help to foster the best spiritual year of your life, which would help produce really the best year of your life in every area. It's a good deal. Romans 8, 12 says this, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You don't have to do it. You don't have any obligation to continue the lifestyle and doing things that you know you don't want to do. Now, let me tell you something. All of hell wants to keep you from hearing this message today. All these thoughts will come into your mind about, you know, prayer and fasting. Automatically, some of you have these thoughts go in your mind of, oh, that's a bad idea, it's a bad season, next year would be better. Come on. You're like, ah, la, 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 right? You know, like, I need to think about, man, we got New Year's Eve tonight. Let me just tell you something. The devil is a thief, and he's about to get caught in your life. He does not want you to hear this message today. He does not want you to respond to it because here's the deal. The Bible says if the thief gets caught, he has to pay back seven times what was stolen from you. So just be aware that if you're in endeavor on this journey, you may find yourself in a battle in the next few weeks ahead of you. But I want to make it very clear. You don't have to remain where you are anymore. You have no obligation to the sinful nature. God has called you to be free, and I'm declaring this is going to be a year of greater freedom for everybody. Amen. Amen. Are you open to that? I am. And so what we're doing is we're wanting to help awaken the spirit man on the inside of each of us and shut out the worldly man inside of us that wants to dominate, and you will experience the power of God in the midst of circumstances in your life like never before, I believe. Verse 13, chapter 8, Romans, it says, For if you live by its dictates, sin's dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, that's what fasting does, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So on behalf of Daniel and Julia and myself and the leadership team, we're calling the rock to 21 days of prayer and fasting. See, fake the smile right now, those of you that are struggling. Just fake it. Well, praise the Lord, because some of you caught it, and some of you are like, ah, come on. Yep, we're going to lead this beginning January 7th through the 27th, and you might go like, well, how are we going to do that, Pastor Neil? Well, glad you asked. Well, we're going to be partnering with hundreds of uh, life-giving churches and thousands of believers, and so we're going to be connecting to some prayer services that we're going to make available online. So right from your own home, right from your smartphone, from your computer, you can participate on that. And uh, there's a church, some of you are familiar with, the Church of the Highlands, and um, there's a pastor there who's had an influence in our country and in and, and our lives. And so, uh, in fact, you can participate. I participated in this from the Dominican Republic. You can be anywhere. Um, if you're driving, be sure to keep your eyes on the road. But otherwise... Um, 
this, you know, so it's at 7 o'clock, it's live. It actually becomes available later in the day on demand. So if you're working during that time, all this is creates is a tool to help you through these 21 days. On Saturdays during these 21 days, and there's going to be three of them, we're actually going to gather together right here on Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock, and we're going to spend one hour together in a real life-giving time of prayer that you'll look forward to. Not boring. Did you hear that? Not boring. Sorry if you went to a boring prayer meeting. Sorry. Sorry. But I'm telling you, if you do this, it'll change your life. So I want you to do three things, applications here, three things. Number one, as you're heading this new year, you got to set an objective, set an objective. In other words, we're going to declare our independence upon God. So give God your first. That's what we're talking about, giving God the first of your year. We're starting on Sundays. Give God the first of your week. Be in church on Sundays. Give God the first of your time. Get God's word in you on a regular basis. Give God the first of your finances. That's what the tithe is. Well, you know, let's get our financial priorities in order for 2018. Refocus our life. Refocus on the spiritual because we just spent a month in the indulgent. Come on, I gained five pounds. Maybe more. I just don't want to admit it. And over these 21 days, let's set our objective to seeking God for specific areas of prayer and specific needs that we have in our life. You know, maybe it's friends or family members that are lost. Maybe you have a, 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 a child or a sibling who's, who's drifted away from the Lord. Let's pray and believe God. They'll find their way back to God. Amen? You know, what changes are you hoping for? Maybe in your life, maybe in your family, freedom from debt. You know, let's, like I said, let's reorder our financial lives. Let's pray and believe that God's going to lead us through and deliver us from our debts this year. And if you do have friends that are far from God, coworkers, write their names down. Pray for them every day. Let's believe that this is going to be the year that their spirit man's going to come alive through faith they find in Jesus Christ. Number two, decide what you're going to do. I just want to, uh, you know, so we're starting this next Sunday, the 21 days, because how many know if we were starting tomorrow, we'd already be messed up because you don't know what you're going to do. And so you got all week to think about it. You know, what kind of 21 days is this going to be? Again, you got to fight those fleshly thoughts about what <laughs> I was telling you not to do, but there's different options for fasting. Some people do a complete fast. That's the water and juice, liquid only. I've done that before. Or a selective fast might be, you know, no meat, no breads, no, you know, sweets. That's kind of like the Daniel fast. It's Daniel's favorite fast. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I just made that up, honestly. Um, a partial fast might be for you, just one meal a day. You'll fast as a part of this process. For some of you, maybe medically, you're not, you know, it's not good for you to do that. Doctor wouldn't recommend it. Or maybe this is all new to you. Um, a soul fast is good. Cut out some media. Come on, how about no social media for 21 days? Yeah. I know. Some of you just pass out thinking about it. <laughs> My connection to the world is over. You know, some of you, TV's just dominated. Netflix is dominated. You just got to cut it off for 21 days. You know, whether it's video games, some of people like play them all the time. Um, for, for me, I, news, I have an addiction to want to know what's happening in the world. I, I, you know, and it's at your fingertips and it's like, it's a, it's a distraction. Some of you know, how many know exercising your body for 21 days could be really good for you, right? All right. So decide what you're going to do. Pray about that this week. 
And thirdly, expect results. Come on, let's expect that we're not just going through some kind of a religious obligation, but a life-giving transformation in our lives, and it's going to produce change. Our life is going to go to a new level. Things are going to get better. Freedom is coming our way. Old habits are going to come off. New habits are going to be established. We're going to draw closer to God. We're going to pull farther away from the world. Life's going to be better. Come on, you can say amen to that. Isaiah 58, 8 says this, then your light shall break forth, referring to fasting, your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily, your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. In other words, God's got your back as you're trailblazing ahead in Jesus' name. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am, here I am. And so let's expect results. Let's believe for clarity. Let's believe for our lost family and friends uh, that need Jesus. Let's believe that freedom is coming our way, that the more disconnected from worldly things that they have a grip on you, that that grip would break off in Jesus' name. Let's expect to draw closer to God. You can say amen one more time. Let's bow our head and let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you that you have a plan that produces freedom in our lives. You have a plan that separates us from the harmful patterns that have had a stronghold in our lives. It's you that wants to see our spirit come alive. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you to begin to stir up those desires to do the right things as we walk in freedom from the habits and patterns that have been harmful to us in our life. And if you're here today, and you need to commit maybe or recommit your life to the Lord as you're heading into 2018, the best day ever to do it. And it's simply a prayer. You can do it from your seat. You can just mutter to God. And you can just ask God, just say, forgive me for the things that have gone on in my life. Just tell Jesus. Just tell him. Just say, Jesus, I welcome you into my life. I recommit my life to you. I give you 2018. Just tell him, have your way in my life. Ask him. Help me to live the life that you've called me to live. Help me to live a life of greater freedom. (laughs) And we pray this together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. I'm just telling you, it's all about Jesus. When we surrendered our life to Jesus, didn't we do it because we believed it would be a better life? I'm just telling you, whatever 2017 was, God has better, He has more, and no one wants us to experience it more than God does. So church family, let's do it. Let's enjoy it and make 2018 the best year of our life. Amen? All right, well, before you're on your way out, tell somebody, hey, let's make it better this year. Come on, tell somebody, let's make it better this year.